ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so continuing in kitab as-salah the chapter of the prayer Specifically, Sifatul Salah, the description of the prayer. We've now reached the hadith of Abu Humaid al-Sa'idi. Radiyallahu anhu qal, Ra'aytu Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Iza kabbara ja'ala yadayhi hadwa man kibay Wa iza raka'a amkana yadayhi min rukbatayhi Thumma, thumma hasara dhahra فَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ اسْتَوَى حَتَّى يَعُودَ كُلُّ فَقَارٍ مَكَانَهُ فَإِذَا سَجَدَ وَضَعَ يَدَيْهِ غَيْرَ مُفْتَرِشٍ وَلَا قَابِضِهِمَا وَاسْتَقْبَلَ بِأَطْرَافِ أَصَابِعِ رِجْلَيْهِ الْقِبْلَةِ وَإِذَا جَلَسَ فِي الرَّكَعَتَيْنِ جَلَسَ عَلَى رِجْلِهِ الْيُسْرَى وَنَصَبَ الْيُمْنَى وَإِذَا جَلَسَ فِي الرَّكَعَةِ الْأَخِيرَةِ قَدَّمَ رِجْلَهُ الْيُسْرَى وَنَصَبَ الْأُخْرَى وَقَعَدَ عَلَى مَقْعَدَتِهِ أَخْرَجَهُ الْبُخَارِي In this hadith of Abu Humayd al-Sa'idi radiyallahu anhu he says that I saw the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that when he would do the takbir to start the prayer that Allahu Akbar that he would raise his hands level to his shoulders I saw the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam when he would do the takbir, Allahu Akbar, at the beginning of the prayer, that he would raise his hands level to his shoulders. And that when he would bow the ruku' he would place his hands firmly upon his knees. And he would bend down his back. He would place his hands upon his knees and bend down his back. Then when he raised up from the ruku' he would raise up and stand straight until all of the bones go back into their place, i.e. until he was upright and proper again. Then when he would go into prostration, he would place his hands upon the ground غَيْرَ مُفْتَرِشٍ وَلَا قَابِذِهِمَا Meaning that they weren't placed flat, neither were they held. But the description of that will come to explain what it means, how a person puts his hands down in the sujood. And that he would face or the edges of his fingers or the toes of his feet, they would be facing towards the Qibla. And when he would sit, after two raka'at, the sitting after two raka'at, he would sit on his left leg and place the right one up. Sit on his left and place the right one up. And when he sat in the final sitting, he would bring forward his left leg 
bring forward the left leg and raise up the right one so he could sit down physically to physically be able to sit down and to be touching the ground and we'll explain that too how that form is when a person sits in the final tashahud so that is the narration of al-bukhari this hadith therefore indicates some of the actions that are mustahab for a person to do in the prayer. This hadith includes various actions that are recommended mustahab from the sunan of the prayer that an individual should do in his prayer. And he shouldn't leave them, he should do these actions. Just like we said at the beginning, there are two descriptions of the prayer. One is the complete and perfect description of the prayer, and that is the pillars, the obligations, and these sunan acts. And the other description of the prayer is where your prayer is accepted, but it's not the perfect description. And that is when somebody does the obligations and the uh, pillars, but leaves out the sunnah acts. So here some of these sunnah acts are mentioned that a person should do in his prayer. And that is the proper perfect description of how the Prophet ﷺ used to pray. The first of those then, الشيخ الفوزاد حفظه الله تعالى mentions فيستحب للمصلي إذا كبر تكبيرة الإحرام أن يرفع يديه إلى حظو إلى حظو منكبي. It is mustahab and it is something that a person who is praying should do that when he does the takbir at the beginning, the Allah أكبر to begin the prayer, that you raise your hands level to your shoulders. Raise the hands level to your shoulders when you make that opening takbir. Ma'ana hadh ay al-musawah. The narration meaning here that you put your hands equal at the same level as your shoulders. Yarfa'a yadayhi hatta tasawi mankibay. Raises his hands until they are level to his shoulders. In some narrations, the shaykh mentions, وَفِي بَعْدِ riwayat. In some narrations it says you can raise the hands up until the edges of the ears. So higher than the shoulders, up to the edges of the ears, where the ear lobes are at the bottom, to that level. Some narrations mention that too. However, the Shaykh says, Al-Mashhur, that which is popular uh, is, or that which is uh, recognized and known from the narrations, is that a person raises them to the level of the shoulders. But like we mentioned now, as the Shaykh mentioned, there is some narrations that say, you could raise them up to the level of the earlobes, to the ears. This therefore indicates that raising the hands when you do your opening takbir, Allahu Akbar, that is something mustahab and that you should do. A person raises his hands with that opening takbir. And that is by consensus of the scholars. By consensus of the scholars, you raise your hands as an act which is mustahab, that they should be raised in that opening takbir. <coughs> Nobody disputed this, the Shaykh mentions. أَمَّا رَفْعُ الْيَدَيْنِ عِنْدَ الرُّكُوعِ وَبَعْدَ الرَّفْعِ مِنْهُ ففي هذين الموضعين خلاف بين أهل العلم والجمهور على أنه مستحب لفعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم 
As for raising the hands when you go into Rukur, when a person finishes the Fatiha and they finish reciting some other surah, then you say the Allahu Akbar again to go into the Rukur. There again it's mentioned regarding raising the hands to go into the Rukur. And when you come out of the Rukur, Samihallahu liman hamida, again to raise the hands. The majority of the scholars, the Shaykh says, they are again of the opinion that's another place in the prayer where you raise the hands. When you're about to go into Rukur, Allahu Akbar, with hands raised again. When you come out of the Rukur, Samihallahu liman hamida, hands raised again. That is the majority of the scholars. Even though some of the scholars, there was some opinions where they said that the raising of the hands should not be done except in the opening takbir. There are some opinions of some uh, uh, thoughts of some of the scholars that the raising of the hands is only in the opening takbir. And as for any other takbir during the prayer, you don't do it. However, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentions here, the majority of the scholars have mentioned you do when going into the Rukur and when coming out of the Rukur due to the Prophet ﷺ having done that. Due to the Prophet ﷺ having done that. And the Shaykh says, no doubt therefore what is authentic here or what is correct is what the majority of the scholars have said. That no doubt you're supposed to raise your hands also when going into the Rukur and coming out of the Rukur. There are in fact four places in the prayer altogether. Where it is mentioned, you're supposed to raise your hands. There are four times, four takbirat, where you do it. One is, as we've just said now, the opening takbir. When you're about to start the prayer, then you begin with Allahu Akbar and the raising of the hands. Another one we just mentioned now, when you're about to go into ruku'ah. You finish your fatiha, finish the recitation of some surah. Then after that, the takbir, Allahu Akbar, with the raising of the hands to go into the ruku'ah. That's number two. Then when you come out of the ruku'ah, that's number three. Again, raise the hands. Then there is one more time. One more time that is mentioned in the prayer uh, where you raise the hands, and that is... After the tashahud. After the sitting, the tashahud in the middle of the prayer, and then you're going to get up for your third raka'ah. After the tashahud, you're going to get up for your third raka'ah, Allahu Akbar, and the raising of the hands again there. They are the four places that are mentioned for the raising of the hands in the prayer. There are some narrations and some of the scholars have mentioned that it's possible even more than that. It could be possible to raise the hands even more than that. For example, even when coming out of the sajda, and then sitting and going into the next sajda, coming out of it again. In all of those places, there are some narrations and some statements of some of the scholars that state it is possible to raise the hands with those takbirat as well. But these four are mentioned without a doubt. These four are mentioned where the takbirat, uh, the raising of the hands occurs with them. Then after that, إِذَا رَكَعَ أَمْكَنَ يَدَيْهِ مِنْ رُكْبَتَيْهِ this is the second sunnah now. That when the Prophet Sallallahu used to go into Rukur, he would place his hands firmly upon his knees. هذه السنة الثانية من سنن الصلاة This is the second sunnah now. The first one was the raising of the hands that you're supposed to do. 
for the perfect, complete description of the prayer, if that's how you want to pray, and surely everybody does, then that's what you do. The second issue now here is placing of the hands upon the knees when going into ruku'ah. وَهِيَ تَمْكِينُ الْيَدَيْنِ مِنَ الرُّكْبَتَيْنِ فِي الرُّكُوعِ And that is to firmly establish the hands to have them holding on to the knees when in the bowing position. Uh, and it mentions that a person doesn't put his fingers right next to each other like that on the knees. Rather there is a, a slight split between the fingers to place the hand upon the knees with gaps between the fingers, not to place it like that upon the knees, with all of the fingers clasped. Rather, there's a gap between them, and he places them upon the knees in that way. And that's what's narrated from the prayer of the Prophet ﷺ, with regards to how he used to put his hands uh, in the ruku'ah. ثُمَّ حَصَرَ ظَهْرَ هَذِهِ الصِّفَةُ الثَّالِثَةَ الْمُسْتَحَبَّةِ حَصْرُ ظَهْرِهِ This is the third Mustahab action which is mentioned now for a person to pray in the proper description of the prayer. And that is to place his back in the accurate position when in the ruku'ah. So what is the accurate position that a person places his back in? At what degree? How does he go down into the ruku'ah? That's what's explained here now. يعني خفضه بحيث يكون مستويا مساويا لرأسه وَلَيْسَ مُقَوَّسًا The shaykh says, the shaykh al-Fawzan, that when a person goes down into the ruku'ah, then he bends his back so that it is level with his head. Going acrosswards, if you look at a person from the side view in ruku'ah, then he should be level acrosswards. Not that his back should be bent almost as if his head's about to touch the ground, neither should it be almost still upright, where it, where it looks as if he's hardly even going into ruku'ah, rather a person is level with his back and his head. That's what the Shaykh mentions here now, مُسَاوِيًا uh, that it is level to his head. وَلَيْسَ مُقَوَّسًا And it shouldn't be, neither should it be too far down, so you're bent downwards, neither should it be too less of a bend, so that you're upwards almost. And neither should you be level, but with a bent back. Some people will have their bent like an arch. And then their head at the end, arched with their bent back. Not because somebody has a medical problem, somebody who's fit and healthy we're talking about. Somebody fit and healthy, you see the people in ruku'ah sometimes, in the ruku'ah with a bent back. So they stand with the shape of a bend in their back. And that is incorrect. And even the other way around. Maybe sometimes the people bend their back inwards in the ruku'ah. So the head is slightly above and their back is inwards. That's incorrect too. The proper manner of the ruku'ah is to make your back level and straight with your head at the end, level and straight, all in one line in that way. And that's important because that's something a lot of people make a mistake on. That's something you see in error often. The ruku'ah. When the people go into the ruku'ah, Either their head will be far lower than where their back is, or their head will be above where their back is, slanting upwards, or they will be crouched over with a bent back, like a, a, an arch. All of those types of ways of bowing are not the proper correct manner. The proper correct manner is to go down and to be in a straight, horizontal, <coughs> level manner with your back and your head. So the Shaykh says, 
فقد كان النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم يفعل ذلك ولا يقوس ظهر في الركوع and the prophet sallam that's how he used to bow straight he never used to bend his back this way or that way or in any way in the ruku' but rather he would be level and straight وانما يكون ظهره وراسه متساويين rather the head and the back of the prophet sallam would be level when he was in the ruku' هذه صفه فعل النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في الركوع that is the description of how the prophet sallam used to be in the bowing in the ruku' فَإِذَا رَفَعَ رَأْسَهُ إِسْتَوَى حَتَّى يَعُودَ كُلُّ فَقَارٍ مَكَانَهِ Then when the Prophet ﷺ used to raise up out of the ruku' then he would be level and upright so that, or to the extent that all of his uh, bones, the backbones, they would all go back into their normal position again. They would all be aligned in a straight back again. And that we mentioned before, when you come out of the ruku' then a person must stand properly upright and be calm and established in that position before then going down into the ruku' into the sujood so here that's what he mentions that the prophet sallam used to come up and stand upright such that his backbone the body the bones would all be upright and in their position fa sajada and the sheikh says the point being therefore that when you come out of the ruku' then your back should be upright. Not that you come out of the ruku' and your back is still bent and you go straight down into the sujood. That you're still in some sort of half-bent position and you go down again. Rather, you come all the way up until you're standing upright. Then go down into the sujood afterwards. فَإِذَا سَجَدَ وَضَعَ يَدَيْهِ غَيْرَ مُفْتَرِشٍ وَلَا قَابِضِهِمَا So now then, when the Prophet ﷺ used to go into the sajda, go into the sujood, into the prostration, فَإِذَا سَجَدَ وَضَعَ يَدَيْهِ يَعْنِي عَلَى الْأَرْضَ So the Prophet ﷺ used to place his hands upon the ground. As we already mentioned, the seven body parts that must be touching the ground. The two hands, the two knees, the two feet, and the head and the nose, which is one. So his hands would touch the ground. وَالْمُرَادُ بِالْيَدَيْنِ هُنَا الْكَفَّيْنِ And the point obviously the Shaykh says is your palms. The palms of the hands would touch the ground. فَإِذَا فَإِنَّهُ يَضَعُهُمَا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ أَوْ عَلَى مَوْضِعِ سُجُودِهِ إِذَا كَانَ يُسَلِّ عَلَى فِرَاشٍ ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ يَرْفَعُ ذِرَاعَيْهِ وَلَا يَفْتَرِشُ عَلَى الْأَرْضِ So when the Prophet ﷺ used to go into the prostration, he would place his hands on the ground, and he would raise his arms. He wouldn't prostrate with the arms crouched onto the ground and touching the ground like this, where the arms are down on the ground next to the body, down on the ground. Rather, they would be raised up. So he would go into the prostration and the arms are raised up. Not down on the ground, laid down. That's what the hadith mentions here. غَيْرُ مُفْتَرِشٍ i.e. not down on the ground, laid down. As if you're about to lie down. Rather, the hands were touching and the arms were up. And there were gaps under the arms. In some narrations, uh, in uh, uh, perhaps later here too, in other books of fiqh as well, it's mentioned about how the armpits were visible. The armpits were visible. And so for the armpits to be visible when you're in the prostration, clearly your arms need to be up. If you're prostrating like that, the armpits are no longer visible. So clearly it was in a manner where the arms are raised. Uh, so then he says, وَلَا يَفْتَرِشُوا عَلَى الْأَرْضِ لِأَنَّ النَّبِي سَلَّمْ نَهَا عَنِ الْإِفْتِرَاشِ كَفْتِرَاشِ السَّبْعِ Because there are narrations where the Prophet ﷺ said, 
do not uh, lie down in that way as the the animals, certain types of animals lie down. As it's mentioned about, for example, dogs or other animals, they put their legs down in this way. So do not be in that kind of description. Do not be in that type of position as some of the animals are when they go down. So here it was mentioned to raise the arms therefore. وَلَا قَابِذَهُمَا بَلْ يَبْسُطُ كَفَّيْهِ عَلَى الْأَرْضَ And neither to be, to be held together and restricted. The Prophet ﷺ wouldn't be held together and restricted in the prostration. Rather it was open. The prostration was open. وَلَا قَابِذَهُمَا That he wouldn't restrict them and hold them together. Rather it was open. وَاسْتَقْبَلَ بِأَطْرَافِ us. So that's the general description of the, the prostration. Person goes into prostration, and as we go through the ahadith, there'll be greater description coming too. But now that, for this moment, is the description in general of the prostration. The seven body parts, and the hands on the ground, with the arms raised, and spread, not out wide, but not to be restricted either. To be at a reasonable distance, and to be prostrating in that manner. Then he also says, وَاسْتَقْبَلَ بِأَطْرَافِ أَصَابِعِ رِجْلَيْهِ الْقِبْلَةِ That the feet, he would face the toes towards the qibla. This is also from the mustahab actions of the prayer. A person who wants to pray upon the description of how the Prophet ﷺ used to pray, that in the prostration, the toes should be facing the qibla. So you have to bend them in, not to leave them out flat. If you leave them out flat, as you see the people sometimes praying just flat, then that means the toes are facing backwards behind you. Rather you need to be on them bent inwards, so they are facing towards the qibla. And that's how the Prophet ﷺ used to do it. وَإِذَا جَلَسَ فِي الرَّكَعَتَيْنِ جَلَسَ عَلَى رِجْلِهِ الْيُسْرَ وَنَسَبَ الْيُمْنَى وَإِذَا جَلَسَ فِي الرَّكَعَةِ الْأَخِيرَ قَدَّمَ رِجْلَهُ الْيُسْرَ وَنَسَبَ الْأُخْرَ وَقَعْدَ عَلَى مَقْعَدَتِهِ This is regarding the description of how the Prophet ﷺ used to sit in the tashahud. أَمَّا الْجُلُوسِ لِلْتَشَهُدِ الْأَوَّلِ As for the first tashahud, after the second raka'ah when you sit down, then, فَهُوَ وَاجِبٌ مِنْ وَاجِبَاتِ الصَّلَاةِ That is one of the obligations of the obligations of the prayer. It's not a pillar, but it's an obligation. The first tashahud. If you're praying Maghrib for example, or you're praying any other four raka'at prayer, then the first tashahud after the second raka'ah, that's a wajib. It's an obligation from the obligatory acts. Meaning if you forgot to do it, and we'll come to this as well as we move along, but if you forgot to do it, what will be the ruling? If you, if you are praying a four raka'at prayer, and you forgot to sit down for the first tashahud, it's an obligation, a wajib from the wajibat. What will be the ruling? Which sujood? Of, Make a mistake. Ah, so the forgetfulness, that would be now with the uh, prostration of forgetfulness. The wajibat, they can be compensated with the prostration of forgetfulness. But that will come to as well as we move along inshaAllah. وَأَمَّا الْجُلُوسِ لِلْتِشَهُدْ As for the second sitting, in a four raka'at prayer, your second tashahud at the end. Or in a three raka'at prayer, in your third raka'at. Or in a two raka'at prayer. The first tashahud is the last tashahud. That tashahud, it is a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. That one is a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. 
Meaning if you forgot that one, you need to repeat the whole raka'ah. The whole raka'ah. You can't just prostrate the forgetfulness for that one. That's a pillar from the pillars of the prayer. But those rulings, as we say, inshallah, will come to later in more detail too. Uh, so how would the Prophet sit in this first tashahud and how would he sit in the second tashahud? As for the first one, كَانَ يَجْلِسُ مُفْتَرِشًا بِمَعَنَا أَنَّهُ يَفْرُشُ رِجْلَهُ الْيُسْرَى فَيَجْعَلُ ظَهْرَهَا إِلَى الْأَرْضَ وَبَطْنُهَا إِلَى أَعْلَى وَيَجْلِسُ عَلَيْهَا In the first tashahud, the Prophet would place his left foot on the ground. Place the left foot on the ground where the top of the foot is touching the ground and the bottom of the foot is looking upwards. So that when you sit, you sit on the bottom of the foot. Everybody knows that from when you sit in the prayer, the top side of your foot, that will be under. And the bottom side will be up and that's what you will sit on. So in the first tashahud, the Prophet ﷺ would place his left foot in that manner where the top side of it is touching the ground and the bottom side of it is looking upwards. And he would sit upon that. الْيُمْنَى And he would raise the right one. Sit on the left one and raise the right one. بِمَعْنَى أَنَّهُ يَجْعَلُ أَصَابِعَهَا عَلَى الْأَرْضَ Meaning that he would place the toes of the right one on the ground and raise the heel. As you do, as you're all aware. Place the toes upon the ground and raise the heel. فَهَذَا مَا يُسَمَّى الْإِفْتِرَاشِ This is known as in Arabic الْإِفْتِرَاشِ Sitting in that way. أَمَّا فِي التَّشَهُّدِ الْأَخِيرِ As for the final sitting... Then that, you sit in a position which is known in Arabic as At-Tawarruk. At-Tawarruk is that you actually sit on the ground. Your body is actually touching the ground. How so? By placing the left leg inwards. And the Shaykh will explain here now. يُفْرِشُ الْيُسْرَى وَيُخْرِجُهَا مِنْ جِهَةِ يَمِينِهِ You sit down and you take the left leg from under your body and bring it out from under your right side. So your left foot will be on your right side of your body, from under your body. So that the rest of your body from behind is actually touching the ground. So this is what the Prophet ﷺ would do. And the right one again would be raised up. So here there are two slightly different descriptions. In the first tashahud, the left foot touches the ground and the back of the foot, the bottom of the foot is facing upwards and you sit on it. And you place the right one up. Whereas in the last tashahud, the left foot actually goes under your body and comes out from the right side of your body. And the right foot stays as it is upright, with the toes touching and the heel up. So now that means if your left foot is coming under your body in that way, your body will actually be physically touching the ground and sitting down from that side. The left side will be sitting down on the ground. That's the tawarruk. فَهَذَا يُسَمَّ التَّوَرُّكْ وَالْحَدِيثِ أَرْشَدَ إِلَى التَّفْرِيقِ بَيْنَ جَلْسَةِ التَّشَهُّدِ الْأَوَّلِ وَجَلْسَةِ التَّشَهُّدِ الْأَخِيرِ كِلَا الصِّفَتَيْنِ سُنَّةِ So this hadith indicates that there are two ways of sitting, depending on whether it's the first tashahud or the second tashahud. Two different descriptions. And they are both sunnah. Meaning, فَلَوْ جَلَسَ فِي التَّشَهُّدِ الْأَخِيرِ مُفْتَرِشًا If a person in the final tashahud sat down in the normal way of just putting the left foot down and sitting on the left foot and putting the right foot up with the toes touching the ground and the heel up. 
If he sat in that way in the last tashahud, the prayer is acceptable and it's correct. There is no problem. That is still a sunnah way of sitting in the tashahud. And if, for example, in the first tashahud, the person did the opposite and ended up putting his left leg through and sitting on the ground and putting his right foot, toes on the ground and heel up in the air, which is what you would typically do in the last tashahud, if a person ended up doing that in the first tashahud, the prayer is still correct and that is still a sunnah way of sitting. However, what's mentioned uh, in terms of what's better and superior and what you give precedence to is the manner in which how the Prophet ﷺ prayed, which is that in the first tashahud, he would sit on his left foot and raise the right one. In the second tashahud, he would actually sit on the ground with the left foot under the body and the right foot raised. So that is the manner that it should be done. But if a person ended up doing it the other way, forgetfulness or whatever, the prayer is still correct. So that is uh, what's mentioned about the two types of sitting. The Shaykh says that perhaps the wisdom behind that also could be that in the, in the first tashahud, if you're praying a three raka'at prayer or a four raka'at prayer, in the first tashahud, after you finish the tashahud, what are you going to do next? Stand up. So from which position is it easier to stand up? If you're physically sat down on the ground, or if you just sat on your foot, on your left foot, is it easier to get up from there? Or is it easier to get up if you actually sat down on the ground? It's easier to get up when you're in the position where you're just sat on the foot. So the Shaykh says, perhaps this is the reason here. In the second, in the first, the because afterwards you're going to get up straight away. So the Sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ there was to sit on the foot, and then you easily get up from there. Whereas in the last tashahud, that's it, you're not going to get up anymore. So you can sit in that manner and then do the salam either side from there. The next uh, hadith after that then 
عن علي بن ابي طالب رضي الله عنه عن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم انه كان اذا قام الى الصلاه قال وجهت وجهي للذي فطر السماوات والارض الى قوله من المسلمين اللهم انت الملك لا اله الا انت انت ربي وانا عبدك الى اخره رواه مسلم وفي روايه له ان ذلك في صلاه الليل here now the next couple of hadith are going to speak about what the Prophet ﷺ used to do, or what he used to recite at the opening of the prayer. So we've discussed now the takbir, raising of the hands in that takbir. Then what is the first thing the Prophet ﷺ used to recite after going into the prayer? Allahu Akbar, raise the hands into the prayer now. What is the first thing the Prophet ﷺ used to recite? These are what are known as the supplications of the opening. The opening supplications. These opening supplications, they are also from the mustahabbat of the prayer. It is recommended a mustahab to read these opening supplications before going into the Fatiha. So here now in the next two or three ahadith, there are a number, a, a number of multiple different supplications that the Prophet ﷺ used to recite and are mentioned in the sunnah for a person to be able to recite at the beginning of the prayer. There are several and in fact, the Shaykh mentions if a person was to recite all of them in different prayers, not to read all of them in one prayer at the beginning, to make a really long opening supplication, not that way. There are several different supplications. Maybe in one prayer, a person prays one of them. <coughs> Another prayer later in the day, he opens the prayer with a different one of them. So to use them in various prayers, but not to use all of them in one prayer, to read one, then the next, then the next, and read all of these opening supplications, and then go to the Fatiha in the same prayer, that isn't the correct way, but there are different supplications, so in different prayers of the day, a person could open up his prayer, with a different one of these du'as, different one of these supplications in every prayer, and that's good, and the Shaykh says that would be implementing then, the various du'as and supplications that have been mentioned in the sunnah. Here the Shaykh says, then, هذا الدعاء من مستحبات الأقوال من في الصلاة وهو دعاء الاستفتاح ويكون بعد تكبيرة الإحرام وقبل قراءة الفاتحة. And this opening supplication it is after the takbir and before you start the fatiha. فقد كان صلى الله عليه وسلم يسكت بعد تكبيرة الإحرام ويأتي بدعاء الاستفتاح سرا بينه وبين نفسه. Because the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم when he used to do the takbir then after the takbir, he would be silent for a moment or two. He would be silent for a moment or two, and that was when he would recite this opening supplication quietly to himself. Quietly to himself, he would recite this opening supplication. The Shaykh says there are many different versions of the opening supplication that you can recite. They are all mentioned in the sunnah, different wordings for them. يختار المسلم من بينها ما شاء. A Muslim can choose whichever ones he wants to recite uh, from amongst them. فأي استفتاح دعا به فله ذلك. So whichever one of these opening supplications that you do, then it's possible for you to do that, and it's okay. لأنه وارد عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. Because these various supplications, as we're going to see which ones they are, all of those are mentioned from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. So you could recite any one of them at the beginning of the prayer. And that would be correct. From amongst them, as an example, and what's probably one of the most famous ones that people are aware of, Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik wa tabarakasmuk, 
وَتَعَالَى جَدُّكَ وَلَا إِلَهَ غَيْرُكَ That's one of the common ones that people are most uh, familiar with. And there are several others that are going to be mentioned now. And a person could recite any one of them and it would be correct. Uh, the Shaykh says, هَذَا هُوَ الْمَشْهُورِ This is what's popular and common. وَهُوَ الَّذِي كَانَ يَسْتَفْتِحُ بِهِ عُمَرَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ And this particular opening, the popular one, that's what Umar ibn al-Khattab radiyallahu anhu used to open up his prayer with, and that's what he used to teach the people. وَمِنْهَا مَا جَاءَ فِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ Also, we have this other one now mentioned in this hadith. وَجَّهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيفًا That I direct myself to the one, or my face, I direct myself, my face to the one who created the heavens and the earth, حَنِيفًا uh, upon a state of Tawheed, Hanifiya, Hanifan, meaning that you're upon a state of Tawheed. وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ And I am not from the Mushrikeen, the disbelievers. إِنَّ صَلَاتِي وَنُسُكِي وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِي لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ My prayer and my, uh, 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 my obedience and my worship and my living and my dying, they are all for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the Lord of the worlds. لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ no partners to him. وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ That is what I've been commanded with and I am the first of the Muslims. اللهم أنت الملك لا إله إلا أنت Oh Allah, you are the, 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 the Lord and there is no other besides you, no other deity besides you deserving of worship. أنت ربي وأنا عبدك You are my Lord and I am your servant. ظلمت نفسي واعترفت بذنبي I have oppressed myself, I've wronged myself. And acknowledge my sin, فَغْفِرْلِي So forgive me. وَهْدِنِي لِأَحْسَنِ الْأَخْلَاقِ And guide me to the best of mannerisms. لَا يَهْدِي لَأَحْسَنِهَا إِلَّا أَنْتِ Nobody can guide to the best of those except you. وَصْرِفْ عَنِّي سَيِّئَهَا And remove from me the evil characteristics of that nature. لَا يَسْرِفُ عَنِّي سَيِّئَهَا إِلَّا أَنْتِ No one can remove them from me other than you. لَبَّيْكَ وَسَعْدَيْكَ Meaning I'm here, I'm present in your worship. وَالْخَيْرُ فِي يَدَيْكَ And all goodness is with you, with Allah. وَالشَّرُّ لَيْسَ إِلَيْكَ And evil is not associated to you. وَأَنَا بِكَ وَإِلَيْكَ And I am for you and to you, return to you. أَسْتَغْفِرُكَ وَأَتُوبُ إِلَيْكَ I seek your forgiveness and I repent to you. All of that is another opening supplication. This is what's mentioned in this particular narration of Sahih Muslim. The whole supplication, وَجَّهْتُ وَجْهِيَ لِلَّذِي فَطَرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضَ حَنِيفًا وَمَا أَنَا مِنَ الْمُشْرِكِينَ إِنَّ صَلَاتِ وَنُسُكِ وَمَحْيَايَ وَمَمَاتِ لِلَّهِ رَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَبِذَلِكَ أُمِرْتُ وَأَنَا أَوَّلُ الْمُسْلِمِينَ وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ sorry. وَأَنَا مِنَ الْمُسْلِمِينَ اللَّهُمَّ أَنْتَ الْمَلِكُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا أَنْتَ Which therefore means I am from the Muslims, not I am the first of the Muslims, I am from the Muslims. اللهم أنت الملك لا إله إلا أنت أنت ربي وأنا عبدك ظلمت نفسي واعترفت بذنبي فاغفر لي واهدني لأحسن لأحسن الأخلاق لا يهدي لأحسنها إلا أنت واصرف عني سيئها لا يصرف عني سيئها إلا أنت لبيك وسعديك والخير في يديك وشر ليس إليك وأنا بك وإليك أستغفرك وأتوب إليك That is one There's another one the Sheikh mentions here and these, I'm sure you'll find them in the fortress of the Muslim, or some of them will be mentioned in there. وَمِنْهَا قَوْلُهُ اللَّهُمَّ رَبَّ جِبْرَائِيلُ وَمِكَائِيلُ وَإِسْرَافِيلُ فَاطِرَ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ عَالِمَ الْغَيْبِ وَالشَّهَادَةِ 
أنت تحكم بين عبادك فيما كانوا فيه يختلفون اهدني لما اختلف فيه من الحق بإذنك إنك تهدي من تشاء إلى صراط مستقيم فكل هذه وردت عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم So all of these various supplications they are mentioned from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم that he used to open with them his prayers on some occasions this one on some occasions that one on some occasions the other one the Prophet ﷺ would use these as openings to his prayer. وَبِهَذَا تَارَةً وَبِهَذَا تَارَةً وَلَيْسَ الْمُرَادُ أَنْ يَجْمَعَ أَنْ يُجْمَعَ بَيْنَهَا The purpose is not, the Shaykh says, that you recite all of them at the opening of a particular prayer. Rather, pick one for that prayer. In the next prayer, you could pick a different one. In the other prayer, you could pick another one. But not to recite all of them in the same prayer. Not to make all of the opening supplications together. ثُمَّ إِنَّهُ لَيْسَ لِلْفَرِيضَةِ اسْتِفْتَاحٌ خَاصٌ بِهَا فَالْمَرْءُ مُخَيَّرٌ فِي هَذِي الْاسْتِفْتَاحَاتِ So the obligatory prayers, they don't have a specific opening supplication that is associated to them. You have a choice. You can recite any one of these that are authentic from the Prophet ﷺ. وَلَوْ أَنَّهُ نَوَّعَهَا فَمَرَّةً يَأْتِي بِهَذَا وَمَرَّةً يَأْتِي بِهَذَا كَانَ أَحْسَنُ أَفْضَلٌ memorizes them, and in some prayers he starts with one of them, in another prayer he starts with a different one, in another prayer he starts with a different one, then if he does that, and so uses all of them in his various prayers, that is best and that is uh, superior. لأنه يكون قد عمل بكل ما ورد عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Because in that instance then, he will be acting upon all of the various supplications that are mentioned, and using all of the various supplications that the Prophet ﷺ used to use. وَلَوْ اقْتَصَرَ عَلَى وَاحِدٍ مِنْهَا وَدَاوَمَ عَلَيْهِ كَفَا أَيْضًا And if a person only knows one, and he just sticks to that one, and all of his prayers he starts with that one, then it is sufficient, and it is correct and acceptable, and there's no problem in that whatsoever. وَقَدْ كَتَبَ شَيْخُ الْإِسْلَامِ بْنُ تَيْمِيَ رِسَالَةً مُسْتَقِلَّ فِي أَنْوَاعِ الْإِسْتِفْتَاحِ الْوَارِدَةِ عَنِ which explains all of these opening supplications or mentions these various supplications. There is an independent small book that Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah wrote regarding that too. So that is the first hadith regarding these opening supplications. Uh, the next few hadith, they are on this same topic regarding the opening supplications. And then after that, it's going to go on to speak about when you finish the opening supplication, do you go straight into Al-Fatiha or is there something else before that too? Is that? Al-Isti'adha. A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajim. Bismillahir rahmanir rahim. So then there's going to be some hadith coming telling us about the rulings of that. How do you say that? When do you say that? Every raka'ah or just the first raka'ah? So it's going to start moving through the prayer in this way now. So we'll take it from there next week now. We'll carry uh, from the next lesson. We'll carry on from these opening supplications and then move on to the issue of the isti'adha, a'udhu billahi min ash-shaytanir rajeem, and the rulings regarding that, insha'Allah. Wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.